Welcome to St. Paul's Worship Service and Happy New Year. We're glad that you are worshiping with us online through our social ministries. Uh, today is a special service for us. It's uh, not just the first Sunday of the year, but it's a time that we set aside for a Wesleyan uh, covenant service. Uh, one of our ministers, Reverend John Few, will be leading us. I think this is going to be a service that will be meaningful to you um, as you worship with us. As always, we want to hear from you. Down in the right-hand corner of your screen is an opportunity for you to share with us anything. It could be prayer requests or if there's something meaningful about the service. Uh, we, do, we want to hear because it does help us in our worship planning. But Happy New Year again and glad that you're joining us for worship. Would you stand as you are able, and would you turn to page 626, and stand and sing, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence.
God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sins, church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. you find the insert in your bulletin, the pastoral prayer for New Year's Day, it's a preamble litany, and the dark print will be your response, and then the prayers on the back. A preamble litany to our prayers on this first Sunday, the first day of the first week of the first month of the year 2023. May this year continue as a year of first things first. We sit in the ashes of a civilization and ask what's happened to us. The dream called America began as a revolt against wanton authority and has a short lifetime become a nightmare of addiction to authority. Hear our prayers, O Lord. As we face our national intentional secession from Christendom by leaders with the avowed intention of making their movement dominant, we seem to be curiously helpless. We seem to have no living faith to put in the place of the heretical one that's so voraciously preached to us by woke culture. Hear our prayers, O Lord. The explosion of knowledge and the manipulation of truth is impressive, but they cannot tell us what we ought to do. Our life together depends upon the biblical foundation of the unmerited love of God and the unmercenary love of his truth. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Our republic's civic life does not succeed by creating a system of counting votes. It depends far more on whether we retain the essential dignity of man. If we cannot, the most elaborate system will break down. Lacking respect for ourselves and failing to trust others, we will become the victims of the ethical vacuum we are creating. Hear our prayers, O Lord. How do we maintain and preserve the sense of human dignity? Recovery will come with slow, hard work of ethical renewal. The biblical ideals that whenever they are lifted up destroys oppression and slavery are the infinite value of the individual, the equality of all men and women, freedom, and liberty. We as a people have many important tasks, but it's difficult to think of one more important than the maintenance and growth of and the advocacy for these ideals. Freedom and liberty have no grandchildren. Hear us, O Lord, as we join our hearts in prayer to Thee. Holy Father, a new year has dawned full of possibilities, new starts, clean slates, and hopes for the future. The promise of tomorrow has arrived and is here today. Time to get around to things and to people we have neglected is now upon us. 
Lives charted by the lights along the shore need to launch out into the deep where the stars can be used for charting. Being led by fear for years has withered our life navigating skills and kept our souls safely in harbor. Where vision fades and courage erodes, help us launch 2023 as a year we remembered who and whose we are. Nourish the lives of our descendants by the courage and example we, their ancestors, set for them. Best of all, O Lord, thou art with us even to the end of the age. Amen. Let us pray as we've been taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us worship God with his tithe and our offering. If the ushers will come forward, and if the acolyte will bring the place. Let us pray. Father, into thy hands we commend our spirit, and into thy church we bring our gifts, that your kingdom might be blessed and full in Jesus' name. Amen.
peace on the earth, good will to men. It is the star of the Bethlehem. Behold that star. Behold that star up yonder. Behold that star. It is the star of Bethlehem. scripture lesson is not the Gal Galatian one, but John has chosen Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall one teach his neighbor, and each say to his brother, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, for the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will give and forgive their iniquity, and remember their sins no more. This is the word of God for the people of God. The peace of Christ be with you. Would you greet one another now in Jesus' name? Good morning and Happy New Year. Well, thank you. It's good to be here this morning and uh, what an opportunity to start off the year in the house of the Lord. 
my daughter is acolyting today, and I thought, you know, boy, I would love to switch her places right now. <laughs> but I don't get that option, and I don't think you want my spot, do you? No, okay. Pray with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, over the next few moments, we pray that what has led up to this part and what will proceed from this part would be enveloped by your Holy Spirit. We pray this, O God, that as we um, broken instruments, as we are, that you will take the words, the prayers, the songs, and make them be for us gospel. Not for our glory, but for yours. Not for our kingdom, but for yours. It's in your son's precious name that we pray and ask these things. Amen. As I was thinking about the last couple of weeks, um, I realized several things. One of the things that I realized is that we have all just come through a season of making lists. For the last couple of weeks, you all have lived a part of my life every day. I love lists. How many people like lists? I love lists. I like to make lists of lists I have to make. And then if I do something that's not on my list, I will write it on my list so that I have that joy of just crossing it off. It's so fulfilling. Over the last few weeks, we've made lists of who's naughty and nice. We've made lists of those Christmas cards that had to go out. And some of you who make uh, the effort, wonderful effort of sending out New Year's cards... And we make lists of what we want for uh, Christmas, and, um, and now we uh, go on the heels of one season of making lists, we go to another season of making lists, almost immediately, blurred almost, a list of making resolutions. What, we will, what will we do differently this year? And many of us have made lists in the past. I have resolved not to make any more resolutions because my resolutions don't get me too far into uh, January, let alone the whole year. We've made lists as a family. Um, Lisa and I, for maybe 10, 12 years, we've made lists. And, it, and it's a list over the years of one word for the year. Many of you know this. Um, we come up with a word that will um, actually, for the most part, it's Lisa that comes up with the word. And she will, uh, we'll all get to dinner uh, on the first part of the year, and we'll go to dinner with our family, and, um, and, and we'll share what that word is. We'll, we'll go over, uh, we'll look about over the last past year, and we'll think about those things that we want to celebrate and those things that we want to mourn. And we think about the year coming, and we think about those things that we're anticipating, and those things that are uh, scary, those things that uh, kind of make us a little apprehensive. And, and the words that we pick out for each year are supposed to guide us. It's supposed to, we're supposed to look at this year through that lens, the lens of that one word. I think last year it was listen, wasn't it? See, I was listening. Whew. Well, it's 2023. I don't have to listen anymore, right? <laughs> in 2014, uh, many of you know that our word was surprise. That was the year Katie was born. Surprise! And, um, 
And one year it was rest, I remember that. Um, it just seemed like there was a to-do list and a calendar that, was kept, that kept on getting fuller and fuller, that we just needed to rest. We needed to take a breath. We needed not to be driven that year through the idea of what needs to be done, what needs to be accomplished, what we can do, but we need to rest and allow others to do mainly to see what God wants to do through us. Those words become the lens through which we um, see the upcoming year. This year, we have a new word for this new year. But before I tell you, let me just give you some background. When we think about making lists whatever kind of lists there are, we find ourselves making lists about many things. One of the things that we make lists is how we describe different things. For instance, there are lists made that describe God. They're called the attributes of God. When someone thinks about God or when someone does theology, they inevitably start by describing God by listing his characteristics. And this list is birthed from the ways that God has revealed himself to others and ourselves, right? That's how we come up with this list. God reveals himself in many ways, and one of those ways that God reveals himself is through our experiences, I love the way Levi Lusco in his book, Through the Eyes of a Lion, writes that many times the clearest picture of God or the clearest items on that list about God are discerned when we look through the rearview mirror of our lives. So many times the experiences of yesterday and yesteryear will become some of the springboard for us as we think about Uh, making that list of who God is. Other times, a clear picture of God or the items that we will put on this list, they is seen through the current moment, the right now. What pain, what doubt, what fear, what frustration you are going through at this moment is what makes your list when it comes to describing God. And it's called, this list, Attributes of God or God's Attributes. Now, many books have been written. In fact, there are titles that are called The Attributes of God, Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3. You know, they just come up with more and more different words. And, and, uh, but but the, the discerning or the making of your own list of the attributes of God, it's not an academic practice. You don't have to be a scholar to do it or a theologian to even start this. You start with ordinary people who choose to look for an extraordinary God. Ordinary people who look for an extraordinary God. And and when God becomes extraordinary for someone, they can't help but find themselves transformed. Throughout the Old Testament, individuals described God using images that they needed right now through their experiences right now or images of God that had been 
that how God had been for them in the past. You have Elijah or uh, Jeremiah or David through the Psalms saying, you are my refuge, you are my fortress. It's because at that moment or sometime in the past, he is celebrating, they are celebrating something that God was for them in the past. And they start their own list, and we all can do this. So, In the Old Testament, you have people making their lists, and you have also in the Old Testament another thread that is easily overlooked if you miss it. You have this thread of God describing himself in the midst of people describing God. And the main way that God describes himself to his people, the main way that he does that is he describes himself as a covenant God. All through the Bible, whenever God relates to anybody, he relates to them in terms of covenant. Of covenant. And our passage in Jeremiah that Buddy read for us is no different. The first two verses. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day that when I took them out of the, by their hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. You see, God is describing himself as a God of covenant for the people in the past and, and a God of a new covenant that would be coming in the future. And in between the tension of living in the old and the new covenant, these people are being in relationship with God. A covenant in the Bible is a bond. It's it's that creates this particular kind of of relationship. It's not a typical relationship that is 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 brought into fruition by a legal contract. It's it's actually more personal than that. It's it's intimate and it's far more durable than any uh, one can have on their personal feelings. It's the blend of law and love. It's a covenant. In this covenant, you can trust the other person. Because each side of that covenant has made a vow. Each side of that covenant has made a promise. And the promise in many places in the Old Testament, when God is speaking about this covenantal relationship that he has with people, It is to be faithful. It is to be thoughtful, kind, and loving in spite of circumstances and feelings. And the reason this comes up to my mind um, so clearly in 2023 is because one of the most common covenantal relationships between humans is the covenant of marriage. Our daughter is getting married in June. And so I've been thinking about this covenant language and, and, and that classic covenant relationship being between people, being a marriage. Remember, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, no givebacks. Oh, I added that one in. A vow to be faithful, loving, present in spite of circumstances and feelings. So when God says in Jeremiah 32, I have a new covenant for you. And then later on calls himself 
In verse 32, he calls himself your husband. He's tapping into this relational covenant language. So what we see here, at least at the beginning, is God always relates to people through covenant language. When Adam and Eve stepped onto the scene, God did not go down to Adam and just say, hey, how are you? It's a pretty day we're having here. What did you think about that game last night? No, he said, I want you to do this, and I will do that. Covenant language. After being freed from the land of Egypt, God takes his people to Mount Sinai and, and makes a covenant with them in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession among the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and of holy nation, and these are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And even Jesus when he's relating to his disciples, he uses covenantal language in that, tra that travel part between leaving the upper room at the end of John 14 and going to the Garden of Gethsemane. J John 15 is that conversation he has. And he says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Covenantal language. God relating to people. Relating to them through covenant. But here's the problem. Some people have allowed covenant language to be something that it is not. And in doing so, it has morphed for them their picture of who God is. It has morphed the characteristics or the attributes of who God really is. It has transformed it. It has distorted it. It has clouded this picture. Covenant language for them is, for, is, is this. It's, they say it is God's way or the highway. That's the covenant. It's God's way or the highway. They see God as, as this moral, absolute lawgiver, the God who lays down the law, and if you don't take care to follow that law, then God smites you. God is this cosmic killjoy who is looking for people who are having some kind of fun or disobedient. He calls his angels over and says, look at my servant John. He's having fun. No. You know, it's not that type of God. Or other people look at covenant language and, and for them, the distortion of who God really is is when they say, I believe that God is just love and I believe that God is, is, is a God who is completely loving and accepts everybody no matter how they live. He just loves, other, he just loves everyone. And, and each of these individual pictures and ideas of covenants is one-dimensional. They don't give you the complete picture. By definition, covenant, a covenant God is a God of law, of holiness, of justice, and as much as He is a God of those, He is a God of love. 
And he is also God of love. And as much as he is of love and, and of grace and of mercy, he is at the same time a God of justice. And in our passage, Jeremiah is talking about this new covenant. And as post-Easter people, we know this new covenant, don't we? A new covenant through the completed work of Christ on the cross. But what, Jer- what does Jeremiah say about this covenant? In verse 31, 32, he says, It'll, this new covenant that's yet to come for the first hearers, In Jeremiah's day, it's yet to come. It's sometime in the future. And for us, we look back upon it. We know exactly what he's talking about. It's a covenant that's different from the old. Where the restoration of the relationship is done solely by the sinner or the disobedient. That we find ourselves making sacrifices in the temple. We sacrifice and do things and worship. And and all of this is to bring atonement. To bring us to a place where we are restored. Our relationship is restored. And so the new covenant is different from that. It's where Jesus comes as we look back and see. It's where Jesus dies for us, pays that price. And because Christ pays that price for us, we live in faith of what God has done. Jeremiah also says that through this new covenant, he says in verse 33, I will be their God and they shall be my people, not just the the people of Israel or the house of Judah. It is all people. You see that thread going throughout the Old Testament. And through this new covenant, God will forgive us and remember our sin no more. So the cross, this new covenant that's brought to fruition by the completed work of Christ on the cross is not one-dimensional. You look at the cross and you suddenly ask this question, so is Jesus fulfilling the law or is Jesus expressing the love of God? And the answer to that is, yes, he does both. He does fulfill the law. In Matthew 5, 17, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. I don't want you to forget the law. I want you to see the significance of what I am doing and my life does to fulfill the law, to do something you are not able to do. And at the same time, the cross is this wonderful expression of God's love. For God so loved the world, right? That He gave. That if we receive and believe, we receive eternal life. So, for 2023, at the top of my list of God's attributes, covenant will find its home. It's significant because when I think about God as a covenant God, when I read through the Scriptures 
through the lens that God is a covenant God. When I perform my vocation as a minister through the lens that God is a covenant God. When I deal with people who are unbearable through the lens that God is a covenant God. It transforms me. It changes me. It helps me understand my sin. It helps me understand human nature and what we're here to do. It helps me understand my brokenness and my need and my sacred worth and how God sees me. But even more than these, how that word might transform or change how I act and how I think in certain particular areas, when I think about God as a covenant God and that God relates to me and you through covenant language, I begin to realize that God is saying to me, I am yours, John, and you are mine. It's on that cross that he really gave himself. It's on that cross that he became ours. And that's where he did it. Andrew Murray writes in one of his, his books, this one in a chapter is called A Covenant God. He says this, Blessed is the person who truly knows God as his or her covenant God, who knows what the covenant promises them and what unwavering confidence of expectation it secures. That all its terms are fulfilled, what a claim and hold it gives on the covenant-keeping God Himself. To many who have never thought much of covenant, a true and living faith in it would mean the transformation of his or her whole life and the full knowledge of what God wants to do for them, the assurance that it will be done by an almighty power, the being drawn to God Himself in personal surrender and dependence and waiting to have it done. All this would make the covenant the very gate of heaven. In our history as United Methodists, John Wesley would have a service, a covenant renewal service, either the last Sunday of the year or the first Sunday of the year. It was started on uh, August 11th in 1755. And at this service, people would rededicate themselves to serving God, to seeing themselves through the lens of a covenant-fulfilling God relating to them. At the very beginning of his, his, uh, um, his paper on, uh, um, of this covenant service, 
he says this. Get three principles fixed in your hearts first. First, things eternal are much more considerable than things that are temporal. Second, things not seen are as certain as things that are unseen. And third, upon your present choice depends your eternal lot. In just a few moments, we'll go through this covenantal service, which is just us in unison praying this prayer that is in your bulletin. And as we do it, we want to see through the lens ourselves as covenant that God is relating to us through covenant language. And so, let us pray this together. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am Thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. If you would take a hymnal from the pew back in front of you and turn to page 12. And as we go through this liturgy of the great thanksgiving, see through the lens of a covenant God in relationship with you, that you are His and He is yours. As we start on the top of page 12, Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We've rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. 
Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. As we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us who are gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one, one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. We practice an uh, open table in our church. You don't have to be a member of our church to partake of communion. You come with a humble and loving heart and acceptance of who God is and what he has done for you. There are a few urns on either side of the uh, um, sanctuary. These are for collections uh, for our altar fund. And these funds are used throughout the year to help those who have immediate needs in our community. Please give generously as you come to receive communion today.
to the body of Christ given for you.
Our hymn of consecration is hymn number 254. We'll sing the first verse and the last verse. Please stand as you are able and join us in singing. Jesus Christ be with you in the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs> 